You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. Good day, family. Woo-hoo. Good day to the brothers and sisters in the back as well. I see you. I'm wearing my Warriors hat today. You know, they beat OKC last night. Curry hit that three, bam, it was done, over with. I went to bed after that. So a shout out to my hometown, Oakland. Let's pray. Dear God, as we come to you in time of prayer and silence right now, I just pray that you'd work in a powerful way, that you'd give me the wisdom and the knowledge, fill my my mouth with the words, God, that you want to be spoken here today. I pray that the hearts would be open to receiving just something, God, to help us be able to uh, connect with you, reconnect with you, God, or to just get on our way, God, towards that spiritual journey. Thank you for your love, your grace, your patience, and your kindness. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I get to fight for a few more minutes uh, here today. Normally I only get five, but uh, I get a few more minutes, so I'm excited about that. Thank you, John, for that. But in the spirit of black history, our theme for today is all nations breaking down barriers. And I hope you feel that way today, just seeing the nationalities up here and As you see the fellowship, I hope you're encouraged by that. But to follow Jesus, you have to be willing to break down self-made barriers. And a lot of times we put these self-made barriers in our own way. And they keep us from seeking a relationship with God. Please be turning with me to Luke chapter 9. I kind of went old school. So I don't have nothing up uh, on the sides here. So everybody kind of got on me about that. You're supposed to put something up. So I'm sorry, but we'll start in Luke chapter 9. We're going to be there for a good part of the morning here. So Luke chapter 9. I can hit on this passage a little bit last week, but I'd like to revisit it and take a look at the three individuals that were involved in this passage with Jesus And just to look at what barriers were in their way and what they had to overcome. So in Luke chapter 9, verse 57, Luke 9, verse 57, it says, The cost of following Jesus, there's a cost. It's not just putting our hand on the TV and, you know, accepting the TV evangelist word right there and, okay, I'm saved now. It's not mailing something off saying, I'm a member of the church now, I'm good. There's a cost. There's a cost to following Jesus. In Luke 9, 57, it says, As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. See, this guy said, I'll follow you, Jesus, wherever you go. And I wondered, man, why did Jesus respond that way to him? Why 
Why did Jesus respond back that way to him? He was willing to follow anywhere, but maybe he wasn't willing to give up everything. Sometimes we're willing to follow, but we're not willing to give up. As a true Christian, that can be the barrier that holds us back and keeps us from growing in our relationship with God. We become comfortable sometimes as true Christians, or we don't grow at all. We tell ourselves, I don't need to be at everything. I don't have to be at midweek. I don't have to come out to church. We pick and choose, or sometimes we just don't come. We don't give up our pride. We hide where we're really at, what's really going on in our life. Maybe that was this guy. Maybe he had some things that he just wasn't willing to give up or didn't want to give up or he wasn't going to give up. Jesus saw something there for him to respond that way. I appreciate my wife, Colette. Honey, can you raise your hand? Where's my wife at? I appreciate my wife, Colette. She has no problem getting open. She has no problem getting help. She'll share my sin and hers. I'm like, man, I didn't do that. <laughs> Appreciate my wife, though. But a lot of times, everyone wants to change the world. We all want to change the world, but we don't want to start by changing ourselves first. We'll go to that third world country. We'll pack up our bags and go feed the homeless somewhere in a whole other place. But we won't start and take a look at our marriages and change that. We know we need to be more connected with our parents. We won't change that. We know as a single man, roommates, there's bitterness. There are things I've got to work through. We won't change that, but we'll go to that third world country. And maybe that's what this guy's issue was. As a Christian today, what's one thing you need to change? I want to encourage you to jot that down, to put it in your phone. What's one thing you know you need to change and to work on? Can I move on now? Thank you, guys. Luke 9, verse 59. He said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, first, let me go back and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Sometimes we follow only when it's convenient. And it wasn't convenient for this man at this time. Maybe you're not a true Christian today. Study the Bible. With the person that brought you out, just nudge them. Hey, man, I'd like to study the Bible with you this week. Because there's a good chance they won't ask you. Maybe they're scared. Maybe they're nervous to ask you, so they won't. So you nudge them and say, hey, I'd like to study the Bible this week. When I started studying the Bible, it was bad timing for me. I was young. I was smoking weed. I was having sex. Wasn't married at all. I was getting drunk. I put my needs before God. It was all about me. But as I studied the Bible, I realized God wanted me to trust him and put him first, even when it came to death of a family member. I realized God wants to take control and God wants to work through my emotions, my feelings, my disappointments, my failures, 
my setbacks, and my guilt. Do you believe that today? That's what helped me study the Bible. I appreciate Tony and Tatiana. Are they here? Tony and Tatiana? Or, or, Tony and Tatiana? Raise your hand for me. Oh, there they go right there, you guys. There they go right there. Give it up for them. Give it up for them. You know, I appreciate Tony and Tatiana because they're, they're studying the Bible to become a true Christian. They're studying the Bible right now. So after service, definitely give them some encouragement. I appreciate all the people that were in the study helping them become Christians. I think of Bernard and DeShake and Earl and Ray and Newby and David and Brandon and Jay and Charlotte and Nedra and Elisa and Ganon. They were all in the studies helping them out. Are you not a true Christian today? Because it's not your best interest right now? Or maybe you'll respond after you graduate. Or maybe you'll respond after your career really gets going. Or maybe you'll be like me, you'll respond after a little bit more weed or a little bit more getting drunk. Is this thing on? It's rather quiet in here. Uh, Patricia, did she? Did Patricia make her way on up? Oh, she is. Okay, all right, sis. We're gonna have Patricia share here in a few minutes. One of the many things I appreciate about God is, He says everyone will get an opportunity to repent because He's patient with us, and that's Second Peter chapter three, verses eight through nine. Second Peter chapter three. Verses 8 through 9. Maybe being right here right now is your opportunity if you're not a true Christian today. You see, this guy's issue was not fully trusting God, that God wants the best for you in all of your situations. I'm going to have Patricia come on up. Patricia's going to share a little bit about how God has impacted her life. Church. Uh huh. This is the first time I'm seeing the church from this perspective. My name is Patricia Dawn, and I would like to thank Lena and Ken for asking me to share and to the church for listening. There's a challenge for me here because I'm a mature adult, and it's hard to decide where to start. But since we're acknowledging African-American History Month, I decided to share my life in that perspective. 1954 was a good year for me. And for Oprah, Oprah and I were born in the same year. We were both born in that year, and it was the year that the Supreme Court ruled that public schools should be segregated, or integrated, I'm sorry. I grew up in Los Angeles and attended all segregated schools. As, um, and yes, before busing, L.A. schools were as segregated as some schools in the South. In some cases, still are. When I graduated from high school in 1971, we were still figuring out just how to do what the South was forced to do about 10 years before. Back then, there were areas where African Americans would have had a hard time moving into. 1971 was also an historical year. 
I graduated from high school, 18-year-olds got the vote for the first time, the Vietnam War was raging, and affirmative action was in full swing. We were saying it loud, I'm black and I'm proud. Many African Americans and other students of color uh, were admitted to colleges and universities that were closed to them up until that time. The University of California probably admitted more students that looked like me that year than ever. My admittance to UCSD was the first time I attended an integrated campus. From then on through graduate schools, all of my experiences were integrated, so to speak. You see, we were a lot of different parts forced into what looked like a whole. But upon closer inspection, there was the Black Student Union, the Mexican-American organizations, and other ethnic groups. Everyone attended classes together, had our meals in common areas, and even shared living spaces. But at the end of the day, most of us retreated into who and what felt most comfortable. I returned home in the 1980s, but Reaganomics made me want to leave again. <laughs> Social programs were gutted, military spending was at an all-time high, and the poor and mentally ill were forced to live on the streets. Poor mothers that were previously allowed to stay at home and raise their children had to leave home and get a job on the outside. Latchkey was their nanny's name. You see, Reagan wanted to let the rich get richer in hopes that we would allow their wealth to trickle down and to shrink the federal government. I survived, and off to graduate school I went, more a student than a revolutionary. I wanted the so-called good life. Nice apartment, nice car, fashionable clothes. I was becoming so shallow. That was the 80s for me. I wasn't a fan of the 80s. I didn't like the person I had become. It didn't take long for me to stop attending church regularly and to immerse myself in sin. By the time the 90s rolled around, I find myself engaging in introspection, examining myself. Who was I, and is that who I wanted to be? I was lost, and although I looked together on the outside, inside I was quite empty. I was back home in L.A. at this point, and who knew that a, a fellow named Rodney King, a black surfer dude, would be beaten by the LAPD, and that someone would video the whole incident? Oh, no. That incident sparked another L.A. riot. Was history repeating itself? This is L.A., not Birmingham, Alabama. I wanted things to make sense to me again. I started to read my Bible again and to talk to God earnestly. You could say that I was praying, but I was real, literally pouring out my heart to God out loud and frequently. I asked God to show me. Let me see him in all this. Do you love me, God? Why can't I understand your Bible even after reading it from cover to cover? Do I matter to you? And God, can you show me so that I don't mistake you for someone else? Before I studied the Bible in earnest, the story of the Ethiopian eunuch never stood out to me. 
But when God opened my mind and heart to his word, I realized that the eunuch story was my story. For those who don't like history or feel that it's irrelevant, try reading the Bible from an historical perspective. In the Old Testament, specifically in Jeremiah 39, 15 through 18, and don't turn there, just in your own time you might want to go there and read it for yourself, the first Ethiopian eunuch shows up. His name is Ebed-Melech. Long story short, he was the only one who stepped in to save Jeremiah's life. You see, Jeremiah, God's prophet, was imprisoned at the bottom of an empty cistern during the final siege of Jerusalem. And the only person willing to come to his aid was this foreigner. Because Ebed-Melech was willing to help God, God gave him a special promise of personal deliverance. In verse uh, 39, in Jeremiah 39, verse 18, it reads, I will save you. You will not fall by the sword, but will escape with your life because you trust in me, declares the Lord. In the New Testament, another Ethiopian eunuch put his faith in God and was blessed. That's in Acts 8, 26 through 39. In both cases, we learn that all lives matter to God. God answers prayers. I met Michelle Tenty through our work together at an inner city school here in Los Angeles in 1992. She had moved here from the Midwest to teach for America, and we had not much in common. Just like Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, Philip was literally catapulted into that Ethiopian's life. She was young, white, and just beginning her career. I was middle-aged, black, and mid-career. She never shared her faith with me while we worked together, but two years later, we met again. God catapulted Michelle into my life. At a Target in Culver City, Michelle invited me to church, and I accepted. Well, not that easy. I actually gave her a hard time at first. But I came anyway. That night, and church met that night because the church was engaged in a uh, revival, so to speak. But the church was present there. That night, I met another disciple. Her name was Cindy Oates, who asked me the question I was longing to hear. Do you want to study the Bible? No one had ever asked me that question before, and no white person had ever invited me to church. So I knew this had to be God. <laughs> I knew that night that God heard my prayer, answered it, and that he loves me. I also saw the church that I had never seen before, brothers and sisters of many races, but one body. That Ethiopian eunuch wanted to understand the Bible. He wanted what I wanted, to see the words of the Bible come alive. God sent Philip to him and Michelle to me. There are still many who need to see God's word come alive. As I look out at the church now, I realize what a miracle we are. 
1954, when I was born, assemblies like this could not happen. You could go to jail if, you were all, if we were all in a room together like this. So we are a miracle. The world may want to segregate, but all members of God's family are brothers and sisters. Thank you so much for sharing. Awesome job, awesome job. Um, so we're going to continue on um, with the lesson here to close for me, and then Ken is going to come on up and, and share some, some closing thoughts. But we were taking a look at uh, Luke chapter 9, uh, verse 57. If you could turn over there again, and, and we'll close out there. We're, we're looking at the first guy. And with the first guy, he had grown comfortable. Maybe you're comfortable today as a disciple. Maybe you've drawn a line in the sand. I'm only going to do so much. I'm only going to give so much. I don't have to get 10% of my income. I don't have to come out to everything. I don't have to be in a discipling relationship. Maybe there's some things in your character you felt, well, I don't have to give that up. Because that's where that guy was at. That's why Jesus said what he said. Maybe you're the second guy. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're not a true Christian. You're not a, a, a true disciple. And maybe you've drawn some, a, li- a line in the sand. Maybe you've put up some barriers for yourself. And I'm only going to go so far. Or I have time. Or I can wait. I know for me, when I was a youngster, I was thinking, well, I'll become a Christian maybe when I'm 90 or 85 or something. I, it just amazed me now that I thought that I'd live that long. You know? <laughs> Luke chapter 9, verse 61. Let's, let's look at this last guy, then Ken will come on up. Still another said, I'll follow you, Lord. I'll follow you. I'll, thir- I'll go to that third world country. I'll follow you. But first, see, that's how we put other things in front of God. But first. Let me take care of this. Let me do that. Let me change a few things. Let me have some more fun. He said, but first. So he was putting what he wanted to do first in front of what God wanted him to do. He said, but first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Maybe you fell away from God. Maybe you backslid, and you're trying to find your way back. You have to get help getting over the past. Hurts and disappointments. If you were a Christian before and you fell away, I want you to understand you matter. You matter to God. You're special to God. You're important to God. But you can't be enjoying the world and looking back and trying to move in a straight line forward at the same time. It's difficult to hop in a car and you're looking back and yet driving forward. 
You're going to be all over the place. You're going to hurt someone. You're going to hurt yourself. The the Bible talks about remembering the things you did at first. Getting in your Bible, getting open, getting help. Maybe you can relate to this guy. You see, people who have a hard time connecting with God, I realize they also have a hard time seeing their need for God. Because when you don't see your need for God, you'll have a hard time connecting with Him. Because you really don't need Him right now. If you're this guy, I want to encourage you to write down three areas where you know you need God. Maybe it's putting together a spiritual care plan for yourself. Maybe that's where you need him. Man, i got to put something together that's really going to help me get closer to him. Maybe it's just getting open and honest, grabbing somebody in the fellowship and saying, man, this is what happened. This is where I've been. Or maybe it's telling yourself and someone else, you're going to do whatever it takes to reconnect with God and ask someone to hold you accountable. Maybe it's saying, man, let's start those restoration studies. Let's start some more studies so I can engage my heart. Where we're most happy is when we're spiritually connected. That's when we're most happy. Nothing else will fill that hole. You see, this guy wanted his cake and his ice cream, too. He wanted the best of both worlds. The interesting thing I see in this passage about the three guys here was the Bible did not record either of their responses. Jesus challenged them, but we don't know what their responses were. Did they just walk away? Did one of them really change and follow Jesus? But I think what's even more interesting is what will be your response today? As you walk out of here, will it be just another day at church? Or will you walk out and truly respond? On December 1st, 1955, a woman by the name of Rosa Parks got off work tired as she was got on the bus, took her seat, and was told to get up and let someone of another race sit down. She refused. She continued to sit down and ride the bus. In later years, people started to ask her, Rosa Parks, why didn't you get up and give up your seat? She said, I didn't refuse because I was tired. She said, I refused because I was tired of giving in. Thank you. Have a great day. All right. Let's uh, turn our Bibles as we close on out to Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to wrap all this together. You know, we started the month, uh, Black History Month, and really going back to the roots of how it got started. It started with Uh, Carter G. Woodson in the 20s, really wanting, he was a historian at Harvard, and he wanted people to know about black history. He felt like he was teaching history, but his own people's history was neglected. So he started this movement that was really initially just a week, and it became a month-long celebration. And of interesting uh, note, I don't know if 
if um, if uh, you know we, we 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 really understand the whole concept of what he did uh, that resonates to us today. But we wanted to start off in in February not only just to give token celebration to some of the achievements of black Americans, but really want to go deeper, just like what Rob was talking about. That we're willing to go this far, but how far are we willing to go even deeper? And our main point during that lesson in February, uh, on February 7th was to acknowledge some of the things that are going on in our country. But the solution that we want to find is not by what the world is doing, but as a people of God, we want to find solutions through God's word. And that's where Ephesians 2 uh, come into play. Let's read together. In verse 11, it says, Therefore remember that formerly you who were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who called themselves the uncircumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Paul says that humans have a propensity to separate and to label things and to put up walls. But Paul says that we know that and we acknowledge that But our goal as a people of God is to do what? To take down those walls, and how do we do that? And he proceeds to go on in verse 14. He says, For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, dividing the wall of hostilities. And what did Paul say? Paul says, listen, the solution to what we we see around us is not... Hatred, it's not bitterness, it's not all these different things that we need to acknowledge. But the solution is to go back to Jesus. Because the Bible says that He is our peace. And I really appreciate what Patricia shared and just the honesty of what she shared and the historical context of what she shared. And it blows my mind that this is recent history, 1951. This is not like. 200 years ago, you know, this is like within our lifetime. There are people in this room, as Patricia, were born in that era. And there are residual effects of that. And I remember even talking in February 7th that it's still as segregated today as it was in 1951, although there are no more laws that forcibly separates us. And that's why it's so important to acknowledge these things, that as a people of God, That God is the solution. Laws are not the solution. God is the solution. Jesus is the solution. And that's where we, as a people of God, come into play in Ephesians chapter 3. And I always get blown away when I read the scripture. Blows me away. In Ephesians chapter 3, it says, His intent, in verse 10, was now through the church through the church not legislation not police action he says through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms the Bible puts the onus on the church to solve this problem And as Rob talked about, it's deeper than just, okay, I want to go to church. I want to show up. It goes deeper. And Jesus forced these three people to look deep within their hearts. To 
to see what's inside. Are you really my disciple? Do you really have the heart to change anything? Go anywhere. Do whatever it takes. And to become like me. And together, the Bible says, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God. And that word is an interesting word. It's really a a word in gemology where you see different lights of this gem. The very, very lights of God that is represented in each one of us in this room. That are lower black, white, Indonesian, Hispanic, and all the other mixes, American Indians, that we, as different as we are, we come together and we're unified in Christ so that the rulers of the world can see what God is doing through the church. I don't know about you, I get excited about that. I get excited about that. That we hold the key through God, that we have the solution through God to solve what the world yearns for. Amen? Let's finish up. He says in verse 11, according to his eternal purpose, that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. With true freedom and true confidence. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful to you. Who are we, God? That we are called the manifold wisdom of God. That through us, your wisdom can be shown. Through us, God, your love can shine through us to set an example for the world. Help us, each one of us, as we go home, to think about ourselves, God, to think about our relationship with you, and, uh, God, to become just like Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.